Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to the Roker Report Extra Podcast. It's uh, me again. Sorry to disappoint. Um, oh, actually, no, I didn't disappoint last week. You all liked the podcast last week because I shut my mouth. I do take criticism in a very constructive way. So I'm going to try and do the same again this week. Um, but before I do that, obviously, we're coming in on the back of another draw. Uh, this time to Fleetwood. Wasn't the most impressive performance, I don't think. But again, we showed that frightened spirit to pull it back for like what the fifth time this season um, but we need to stop conceding so early and, and giving ourselves such a battle if I'm honest with you um, we're away from home this week after sort of two home games in a row we've got Burton who were a team that up until last season I had no idea about I think this season is probably one of the teams I know a little bit about and to fill us in on the changes they've had which has been a lot I'm, I'm led to believe I've got Josh Murray from the Burton Mail how are you doing Josh you well? I'm very well thank you yourself yeah, not too bad. Probably better than when we would have spoke this time last year, I think. Yeah. How's how's relegation working out for you? It's a little bit different to us, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it was a, a pretty sluggish start. I think things are starting to look up for Burton now in, in the last few weeks, um, heading into this weekend's game. But yeah, it was, um, I mean, the relegation itself was, was a dramatic one. You know, they looked dead and buried a couple of weeks before that game up at the Stadium of Light and then in the end actually they were they were safe until five minutes to play on Bolton's amazing recovery so I think in a way that probably took a bit of getting over um, in terms of sort of how the season started they had a really disruptive pre-season in terms of injuries um, and that sort of carried over into the first couple of weeks of the season they didn't play too badly in their first few games but they just struggled to get the balance right across the pitch a couple of defeats and in fact they'd lost their first uh, four of their first five league games which you know, left them, I think, in the bottom four. And, and understandably, there was, you know, a little bit of negativity. They, the squad size was pretty small at that stage as well and the injuries hadn't helped. Um, but I think the, they won, uh, they beat Aston Villa in the Carabao Cup um, at the end of August. And, and that feels as if it might have been a bit of a springboard. They went and, and signed um, four loanees in the few days after that. And since then, they've taken four points in the last two games of the league. So, um, yeah, it's, it's looking up and you can see the combinations and everything are just starting to click and, and they'll hope uh, to sort of take that into Saturday's game. And they mentioned, um, I think it was Jack Ross mentioned in his presser a bit today about the the injuries you have. Um, has that been overplayed? Are you actually not got that many? Is it just a goalkeeping crisis? What What's the situation with that at the moment? No, it's it's been it's been pretty con- uh, constant, to be honest, since, as I say, even in, in pre-season, there, there have been injury issues. Um 
at the moment, as you mentioned, that the, the goalkeepers are probably the primary one. Stephen Bywater, the first choice last season and at the start of this, injured his shoulder against Villa in that in that cup game. Um, he's out for between sort of four to eight weeks. And then they brought Bradley Collins in from, from Chelsea on loan. Um, had a good season with Forrest Green last season, impressed sort of in his first game. And then he uh, did a, a thigh muscle in his second game. So now Harry Campbell, um, who's actually been with the club for more than two years, but hadn't uh, hadn't appeared in those first two years, now looks set for his his first league start at the weekend against Sunderland. Um, they are uh, been sort of looking at potential uh, sort of emergency loans for a goalkeeper or, or unattached goalkeepers, but at the moment there hasn't been too much movement. So that is the main one, but but there's also at the back, they've got quite a few injuries. Um, Jake Buxton, John Brayford and Damien McCrory, all sort of senior defenders, um, They've all been out for a few weeks now and uh, are all doubts for the weekend. Um, further forward, that you know they're looking better. They've got plenty of options, sort of upfield and in midfield, but it has been primarily in defence where their injuries have been. Um, in fact, the, the AFC Wimbledon game where they won 3-0, they only had really one sort of senior defender in. Lucas Aikens, who's primarily a, a forward, he was at centre-back. They've got Ben Fox, a young midfielder at right-back, and Reese Hutchinson, an 18-year-old, in his first season at left-back. So that sort of shows where the defensive uh, issues have hit, really. Yeah, you mentioned a few players there, and I'm pretty certain that whole defensive uh, lineup of, of injuries you have. I think they were like your first team last year, give or take. Maybe, uh, well, I, funnily enough, yeah. we quite like Tom Flanagan, who I'm sure yeah. will come on to, but um, he actually didn't really get in the team last year, did he? Too much. He was in and out. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a. It was sort of an interesting one with with Tom really because he'd um, <laughs> his first season in the Championship when Burton first got there in 2016. Um, you know, he was one of the most consistent performers in, in the second half of that season, certainly. And he sort of became a bit undroppable, really. And then uh, that summer, um, he was offered a new contract and, and initially actually turned that down and, and sort of looked elsewhere and left left the club. Um, but then actually came back and, and signed a new deal with the club um, a couple of weeks into the season. And um, I mean, he was pretty regular, but sort of came in and out. He was one who had a couple of injuries. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there was a little bit of surprise amongst Brewers fans. I think that he was... Um, he was sort of put on the transfer list in the summer. Um, Nigel Clough just basically saying they needed to sort of free up some room somewhere, and 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 that was the situation. And uh, and yeah, obviously he's you know he's likely I suppose to to come up against Burton this weekend. But certainly so far this season with the defensive injuries they've been, um, Flanagan's versatility would have been sort of priceless to Burton. Were you surprised that he joined Emerson? And obviously it's you know no disrespect to, to to Burton, but obviously I'd never really heard of Tom Flanagan beforehand. So. Was that a surprise for you to see him go to, to Sunderland as part of our rebuild? I don't know whether I was surprised. I mean, I think it's a you know great move for for Tom. I sort of looked at a lot of his interviews and uh, you know in the immediate aftermath, and it seemed like you, you could just tell the way he was on the videos that he was sort of relishing the opportunity to, to play at a club like Sunderland. I think he said like three of his best mates is it a, a sort of big yeah. a big Sunderland fan, so that I'm sure will have gone down well. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say it was necessarily surprising. I mean, as I say, I think it's a, it's a good move. You know, he's he, he's already been promoted out of League One once. He's got a lot of League One experience, so I can see why Jack Ross might have thought. You know, he's he's somebody with that that know how in the division. His versatility is, as I say, such a valuable asset. You know, he can play across that bat line, and he's even played sort of as a wing back in the past for the Brewers as well. So. Um, you know, I always thought he'd be someone that certainly League One teams would look at and see would be a good asset in the in the back line. And uh, as you say, Sunderland sort of came in, and and that was that. And you talk about, um, or I'm talking about, like our overhaul of players, which naturally had to happen. But I'm looking through 
Burton's overhaul, it's, it's been just as big. Um, how's that been for you? Like, you've lost obviously players like Flanagan, you lost Tom Naylor, who was actually quite close to signing for us. I'm led yeah. to believe. Um, Hope Akpan was another uh, player that left. But you, you brought in like a, a big turnover of players and some with, you know, good names. David Templeton's in there. I'm reading through Jake um, Hesketh, uh, Devante Cole. How's the turnover been for you? Like from a club like Burton, who maybe are used to this league more than maybe we are. How has your turnover been with you losing sort of your better players and having to replace them? Um, I, I think probably that a little bit, you know, a little bit of the slow start was, was down to that. I mean, a lot of those signings, you know, as I say, those four loanees, Jake Hesketh and Jake Flanagan from Southampton, Devante Cole from Wigan, and then Bradley Collins, the keeper from Chelsea, they caught, all came in in the last 48 hours of the of the loan window. So, you know, a lot of the business was done quite late. Um, yeah, in terms of losing those players, you know, I, I, you know, not necessarily inevitable, but it was always, you know, with Burton dropping down a division, Nigel Clough spoke about it pretty openly, said, you know that they might have been in the championship for two years, but in they are still one of the smaller League One clubs in in many senses. And um, you know somebody like Tom Naylor has, has obviously looked and, and said, you know maybe it's a natural point in his career to, to move elsewhere. And from from what I've heard, he's 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 doing brilliantly for for Portsmouth. So yeah, it, would, it was always going to take a little bit of time, I think, for this new look squad to to gel. But it looks now as if those new signings, Fraser and Templeton from Scotland, are really hitting their strides now after. You know, taking a bit of time in pre-season, um, and Stephen Quinn actually is probably the sort of the the one, um, you know, former Reading, Hull City um, midfielder, Republic of Ireland. You know, he he basically was I don't think that far away from retirement in in the summer um, after leaving Reading, um, but he'd been training with Burton and they've signed him up on a short-term contract, and I mean he's getting fitter with every game and he looks a really classy operator there, sort of in the holding midfield role. So. Um, he could be one of those little gems which sort of came from nowhere and, and could pay dividends for Burton. So you were talking about the, the beginning of the season. I remember, because um, I was at the game when you beat us 2-1, when um, that bloke, Darren Bent, who you may remember, and I certainly do, um, scored. And I think Liam Boyce got the yeah, winner, yeah. I believe. Um, also another, I mean, I, I live in Glasgow, so I was aware of Liam Boyce with his, his Ross County uh, sort of links and stuff like that. But um I actually thought you'd be kind of there with us in Barnsley, as you naturally do. But the start was really difficult. So, although like it's improved, and you've mentioned about players not clicking and injuries and stuff like that, was was there more to it than that, or was it just simply down to that? Because I know that Nigel Clough was being questioned from from an outside looking in. I I, th- I think I think it was a combination of a lot of things. As I say, uh, you know, part of it was. Um, you know, lacking a little bit of, of depth with, with all those injuries in the first few weeks, they didn't necessarily have the options to turn to. I mean, they couldn't name um, a full substitutes bench for quite a few of their early season games, which, you know, sums it up a little bit. Um, there, there were, you know, there, there were issues as well. As I talk about the balance, you know, in a couple of games, they looked really dangerous going forward, but were just far, far too open at the back, you know, away at Gillingham when they lost 3-1. You know, Gillingham just got in behind too many times. Um so I think it was just a few of those things, you know, that, that needed ironing out a little bit. Um, and and Clough had spoken in the summer saying he thought it would take a few weeks for them to, you know, for them to be settled. You know, he's spoken this week saying that, that Sunderland and Barnsley have obviously hit the ground running and Burton haven't. I mean, it was always going to be quite hard at personally, I thought, to predict how this season would go for, for Burton. Obviously, yes, coming down from the Championship, there's the expectation um, and the fact that they're one of the League One season, they obviously went up automatically. 
But then on the flip side, you know, this is still only their second ever season at this level. Um, they'd never, they'd not been relegated in 40 years. So it was, you know, it was a huge experience, you know, different experience. Um, and, you know, as, as we say, in terms of the club size and whatever. So it, it was always going to be a difficult one to predict. And, and I think they need to, you know, they needed to turn the slow start around and they've started to do that because we've, you know, we've seen, you guys know perfectly well how that sort of negative momentum can fester and it can sort of, pick up quite dangerously so they needed to sort of stop after that early you know early slump and I think they've done that now I mean you know they're obviously far from from suddenly pushing for promotion but it's still early days and um, you know I, I think that their target is still to, to be pushing at, at the end of the season to, to try and break back into the championship if they can. I mean it's one of those leagues where you can pick up a few wins and, and lift yourself up but I've noticed a lot of your kind of upturn in form unfortunately for us has been your home form um is that coincidence or have have the home fans really made it quite a difficult place to go to in the past few weeks? Um, uh, certainly, um, I think there's a bit of a buzz as return to the Pirelli and that, I suppose it sort of goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Is, you know, if, if you can start getting the results at home, then, you know, the atmosphere grows and the fans get more positive and then that helps the yeah. players. So it's sort of a, <clears throat> you know, a, a positive cycle. Whereas last season when they went on, you know, that run of seven months without a win at home, which was ultimately what, you know, led to them being relegated. I think it was the opposite. You know, I think there was a sense, the classic example is the game where, you know, where you where you guys sort of came to the Pirelli and I think it was nil-nil after sort of 80 minutes or so, but there was almost a bit of an inevitability. Burton had had a lot of close games at the Pirelli where the away team had always nicked that goal. And in that last 10 minutes, I think there was a bit of a sense of Sunderland are going to get something here. And that happened a lot. The flip side this season, you know, the positivity's back the beliefs there and, and the players are thriving on that. So um, I don't think it's a coincidence, but obviously it's still, still early doors and, you know, they, they've got to build on that. They, this, you know, the back-to-back promotion seasons, you know, it's a cliche, but they did build it on that home form and they were so difficult to beat at the Pirelli. And, um, you know, they know that that's going to have to be the case again this season. They've looked it so far, you know, two wins and one defeat where really they should have won against Rochdale on the opening day. But this weekend will be the biggest test yet. And, and uh, you know, if they can get a decent result against Sunderland, then I think there'll be a real belief that, you know, they are uh, they are a tough nut to crack at the Pirelli again. And I'm looking, one thing I am looking through from the team, I, I always like to look at, at statistics, as much as people tell you, sometimes they do lie, I think. Sometimes they don't tell the full truth, shall we say, anyway. Um, and I'm looking through sort of Burton's team, and you mentioned before about looking quite good sort of going forward previously. And I remember like last season, if there was players that I knew in the Burton team, it was it was definitely sort of further upfield. And, and the same resonates when I look through your list of players like Liam Boyce, Templeton, yeah. Sodell. Um, but I've noticed Liam Boyce seems to be on quite a bit of form. His, yeah. And obviously he had that really bad injury last year, which really scuppered him. Um, does he look like he's back to the form that, made him well he would have been the top scorer in Scotland I think when you signed him yeah bang on yeah that's that's exactly it you know he I think I think there's still you know even months and months on still a bit of frustration from the Burton perspective of looking at Boyce now and how he is and thinking you know if he didn't do his ACL you know before the season even begun last season would they have gone down or would he have been enough to keep them up? And I think the general consensus is, you know, his class in front of goal would probably have been enough to, to grab a few vital points for Burton last season. But, you know, it is what it is. As, as you say, it was, it was a, it was an awful injury for him. He battled back brilliantly. He was, you know, I think he was back a lot sooner than people anticipated, but it also took him time on the pitch to get up to full fitness. I think we started to see that in the last few weeks, you know, of, of the season, obviously got, as you say, scored that goal against Sunderland up at the stadium of light. 
and he's certainly hit the ground running this season. He's uh, five goals, I think, in eight to games in all competitions. But it's not just his his ability in front of goal, although that's clear. You know, he, he doesn't need many chances to find the net. It's his um, it's his all round play. You know, Burton's style of play is built around him. He sort of leads the line. He allows the wide players to get forward. He allows the midfield runners to to run onto the ball. He'll sort of hold it up and feed them in. Um, you know, he's absolutely crucial to what they do, and and they've proved, <clears throat> as you say, why they signed him in the first place from Ross County, and um, and now they've they've sort of proving the value he's got, and and he's going to be absolutely you know pivotal if they are going to you know sort of uh, stage a promotion push. Then his goals and his all round play are, are going to play a huge part. And I think he's um he he. He was basically all of your budget last year as well, wasn't he? Which is definitely it, it must it, that that must be awful when you spend. I think what was it five hundred thousand? I think you spent yeah, on him, which is yeah, pretty much the budget. Yeah, I understand, yeah, yeah. I mean, the and one, then you get injured. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was one of those. I was at the the friendly at Shrewsbury Town. It was, and um, you know, it was one of those innocuous ones in midfield where he tried to hold the ball up and then twist, and uh, I think you know his studs just got stuck in the turf, and you know immediately, don't you, <clears throat> with those serious injuries. And uh, there was just this sense, you know, you look down at the management at the bench and that they were looking at each other thinking, surely not. And obviously, yeah, it came back that it was the ACL. And yeah, I mean, that in a way, you know, I don't want to say it defined the season because there were plenty of other issues, as we say, that home form, you know, seven months without a win. But if if he had played 35, 40 games last season with the goals he's, he's scoring at the moment and and as we say his all-round contributions Burton would have been a, a different team you know they, they looked to replace him and, and and play in different ways last season um, but we I remember those early pre-season games before the season that it was clear that in the championship as well they were building a team around him and building a style of play around him and then as you say for that to, to you know to go up in smoke before you've even kicked the ball in anger is, is hugely frustrating but they couldn't dwell on it and they certainly can't dwell on it after relegation and in League One, you know, now they are getting the benefits of him, <clears throat> albeit a season later than they'd have wanted. Um, but I also get the sense from Boyce himself that he's relishing the chance. You know, he, imagine how frustrated he'll have been. He's, he's, you know, he makes a big move down to, to England for the first time, trying to make a name for himself in the Championship and then he gets that injury and he's been so determined in his route back in um, into fitness and, and he's got a point to prove now in League One and, and don't forget you know he's a Northern Ireland international as well he wants to try and stake a claim to be a regular starter for them um, so he's got plenty to prove and, and I'd say so far he's doing it One thing I, I really wanted to touch on and it's maybe a, a question that's maybe more related to my mindset with Sunderland anyone who knows our recent history will know how many different managers we've had in such a short space of time. There's really been no continuity. Obviously, we've since changed ownership. I would like to think Jack Ross will be given a really good opportunity to sort of turn this around. Yeah. Um, and he'll be given patience, even if I, would, I don't even want to think about it, but I would say we don't go up or the season doesn't go as planned, I would I would still hope he'd be allowed to, to build a team because it seems like that's what he's doing. Um, a club like Burton Albion, I mean, Nigel Clough's been there twice. Obviously, he left temporarily, but he's been there. I mean, he, what, what, he was there till 2000, from 98 till 2009, came back yeah. in 2015, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel like I can't answer this question myself. From a, a Burton perspective, a club that's been promoted twice, you've also been relegated, you've been through some sticky patches, there's been some questions asked this season. But what do you feel the benefit of having Nigel Clough there for that long or having a, a manager there? For as long as you have, what what kind of benefit can that give a club? And how do you think? Do you think that 
could have been very different if you'd chopped and changed managers the ways we had. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's, it's impossible to know where Burton would have been if, you know, as you say, they, they'd have had that approach where they wanted to change managers regularly and, and whenever anything sort of started to go wrong. Um, they did, you know, Chem, Chairman Ben Robinson is has played a massive role in, in them sort of getting to where they are in such a short space of time. Um, and he runs the club sort of sensibly, sustainably and, and takes that approach to managers as well. You know, he wants to give them time. Gary Rowett and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, you know, gave them, well, and Nigel Clough indeed, you know, back in, in the non-league days, he's, he's given them all their first jobs in management. And, you know, they've obviously all progressed from there. But, you know, in terms of in terms of, of Clough and since he came back, you know, again, it's just that stability. I think, you know, it's it's... For players, it's it's knowing what you're going to get, knowing that you've got you know a manager who, who yeah you, you know has got a game plan and, and has got faith in you and and you know there's going to be a consistency and a continuity there. So that I think in itself is is hugely important. Um, and also, you know, it's shown I think in in the way things have gone. You know, last season, okay, as you, as you say, there there were tough times and the relegation happened, and it, it might have been that at other clubs changes would have been made, but. You know, Burton's approach and Ben Robinson's approach has always been about that stability and about showing faith. And um, you know, he always knew with 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 Clough that if they got relegated, that, that they would they would still look to to sort of solidify and bounce back in League One. And, and obviously, that's the aim at the minute. And I, I feel like this is a really silly question to ask because we all know about Brian Clough, the manager. But I feel like Nigel Clough's vastly different in his approach, even though he's looking more and more like his dad. Like every single week but what is Nigel Clough as a manager what what does he personally bring to to the team because I feel like his management style as long as he's been in the game I, I'll be honest I don't know a great deal and I feel like I really should especially considering he's a Sunderland born um yeah. it's like and you know and his dad but I mean he seems to be a bit more of a calmer calmer version of his dad doesn't he a little bit yeah I mean I think he in in a sense he's he's done sort of you know, similar jobs at clubs. Okay, the, the Burton one, obviously, in the first place was was a completely different one. You know, going into a, to a club in the the Northern Premier League as they were, and and taking them to to the verge of the Football League. But then, obviously, what you know, he went to to Derby, where his primary task was was to sort of manage the club's estate, sustain them in the Championship while cutting a wage bill and everything else that that was coming from the Premier League days. And um, and then at Sheffield United, you know, they looked like they were they were heading out of League One, and he sort of turned them around uh, sort of reasonably quickly and sensibly and got them to two cup semi-finals and to, to the playoffs back at Burton it was again another different job it was about managing resources in the in you know in the champion managing Burton Albion in the championship is such a unique sort of story and situation that again it took a, a, a certain type of manager who can work with limited budget with resources and manage those resources as well so I think that's one thing he's proven is um, you know, being able to manage resources as well and, and get the best out of out of a group of, of players um, certainly is what he's, he's sort of done at Burton. It's a lot down to man management. I think, you know, when you talk to players about him, it's that style. He knows how to, to, to I think, deal with certain players or different players in, in different ways. So I think that's what it's down to as well. Um, and he does, he does um, you know, I think like to, to have have a style of football um, and to, to have his team stick to that style um, and I think sort of looking at Burton now again with Liam Boyce I think he does like to have um, a focal point in attack um, I think back to the Derby County team which reached the, the playoff final in 2013-14 okay admittedly that was under Steve McLaren but Clough had built that team to sort of have Chris Martin as their focal point to have 
dynamic midfielders running forward. Craig Bryson, as it was at Derby, you know, at Burton, he's had Jackson Irvine in the past now. It's sort of Scott Fraser and players like that. So I think that's a, a style that he quite likes as well. Um, but as with any manager, you know, to an extent, you have to be adaptable. Changing the subject ever so slightly, that kind of just like came up to me because I, I, I obviously everyone loves Brian Clough and I feel like Nigel doesn't get spoken about very much, which is a bit of a shame because he's had a he's had a quite a good career. It's still quite a young career as well, realistically. Yeah, just yeah. I think he started very early. But looking at the, sort of your past few results that, that you've definitely picked up, um, I'm looking at obviously the lineup for the last game. You've got Templeton and Sodell on either side. For those of us who, who don't know, I know a little bit. Um, but how do Burton set up and how was it different to last year, if at all? And what are we likely to see on Saturday? Are you going to come at us or are you more likely to sit and maybe hit us on the break? Or like, because a lot of teams have come at us this season, yeah. And although we haven't lost this season, that has caught us out quite a bit. Do you think Clough will try and goals. on that? Um, yeah, yeah, I, w- I, would, I would imagine, um, you know, they, <laughs> they'll try and get at them from, from the first minute. I mean, in terms of a, of a setup. They've, they've favoured a, a 4-3-3, um, which they sort of came upon towards the end of last season. Um, but, the, you know, they've, they've stuck with at the start of this, um, where they're sort of playing a holding midfielder who's been, as we say in the recent week, Stephen Quinn. And then two other sort of central midfielders further forward. They're the ones who link up with Boyce and sort of push on. And then, as you say, Templeton and Sordell as those as those wide forwards. The play tends to go through Boyce, but also they you know they play pretty quickly through the middle. And there's been a good pace to the way they've played recently as well. You can see players are the combinations are starting to click. Fitness is growing, um, and that's obviously all positive in terms of how they'll approach this weekend. I think it'll be the same sort of setup. Um, and I think yeah, you know that they've tried to take the games to, to team Saturday away at Accrington Stanley. You know the first half an hour or so they could have had two or three goals easily. You know they, they took an early lead and they tried to build on that. And in the end, it was actually the way they managed the game late on that, that cost them, and they drew in the end. Um, I think they'll know that obviously Sunderland have been susceptible to early goals and going behind, and and probably they'll also not want to find out what Sunderland could do if they get in front. Um, so I'm sure they'll they'll sort of try to race out of the blocks. Um, but they, you know they, they've got to be sensible as well. They've still got to have that balance throughout, which. As I mentioned, certainly in those early weeks, they struggled to find that balance. They seem to have got that now across the field in that they're not leaving themselves as open at the back. Um, but they've got to continue. You know, say Josh Major's got, what, five five goals already this season. They, they yeah. know about the threats that, that Sunderland will, will carry. I mean, I've seen Jack Ross has suggested he might even throw Aidan McGeady in sort of straight. You know, I know he's been out injured, but, but and you know the quality that a player that he's got. So... Burton have got to get that balance bang on this weekend. Um, Stephen Quinn, as I already mentioned, has got a huge part to play in that holding midfield role because he sort of screens the defence, breaks play up for the for the opposing team and then sets Burton on the front foot. And with Stephen Quinn as well, he'll, he'll most likely be up against uh, George Honeyman, who's been, in my opinion, I'm, I'm a fan, a little bit off colour the past few weeks. Very small, um, obviously, he's our captain as well. And you yeah. mentioned, obviously, Stephen Quinn playing very well. That could potentially be sort of a key battle, I would imagine, because I think a lot of our play goes through sort of Gooch, Honeyman, and then obviously on the left, you've got Maguire, but Maguire and Honeyman have been a little bit off form. Is is there anyone from the outside looking in that you do fear from the Sunderland side? You mentioned Josh Madger before, but um, in a weird way, he scored five, and yet there's people still kind of want Charlie White to play, I think. Um, And Jerome Sinclair may come in on the left-hand side in place of Maguire this weekend. We're not sure. We're just... 
he's looked good when he's came on and, and Maguire looks a little bit off colour the past few weeks. But from the outside looking in, we're unbeaten. Is there anyone that you, you sort of fear? I, th- I think, like you say, first things first is the fact that Sunderland being unbeaten after seven games, while people seem to be saying that they've not really hit their stride yet, you know, they've not found top form, they've fallen behind in five of the seven games. I think that in itself is a bit of a, a statement and, and you know, Burton will, will know about that and be looking at that. I mean, as you say, you know, imagine you've got to be wary of the goals, but uh, I think, you know, I don't know if, as you say, Charlie Wyke is, is likely to start, but I think a player like that with, with that legal experience, you know, Clough goes on a lot about experience at certain levels, experience at divisions and knowing, you know, the know-how and obviously Charlie Wyke has, has got that in League One and has proven that sort of that goal scoring ability. Um, and Burton, again, you know, you talk about the goalkeeping situation, the defensive injuries, you know, they, they've looked pretty solid defensively the last couple of games, but you still accept that that's a defence that's, um, there's some inexperience in there, not necessarily at centre-half, but down the wings as well. So, so they've got to be careful there about about not being exposed. You know, again, you mentioned somebody like a Jerome Sinclair, if, if he comes in or even a McGeady, if he is fit enough, you know, those wide threats, Burton are going to have to manage those because they've got inexperienced fullbacks at the moment. Um, so that that's that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, you know, at the other end, they know plenty about John McLaughlin in, in the in the Sunderland goal. Obviously, you know, he was part of the back-to-back promotions and, and in the championship with Burton. So um, <clears throat> they'll know about his shot-stopping ability and probably as well um, from what's happened so far that they've got to try and thrive at, at set pieces. I think that's been where, where Sunderland have struggled from what I can tell can see yeah. those early goals um very much so so you know that that's going to be an area that they'll they'll try to exploit i mean they 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 tend to be pretty consistent in how they go with sort of set pieces they try and 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 get the ball onto the head of ben turner the big center half and for him to then sort of flick it back into the into the danger area and i'm sure that's sort of something they'll have been working on this this uh, this week and it's funny you mentioned about John McLaughlin, completely skipped my mind that he was part of your promotion team and then obviously yeah. went on to, to Hearts and had a really good season. And um, there's a bit of a, a very small amount of debate about John McLaughlin at the moment. Um, I don't think it's been shouted about too loud, but he, he has looked a little bit suspect on crosses. And yet at the same time, compared to what we had last season, he's like the best goalkeeper ever because last season we had three absolute well, Lee Camp's the worst goalkeeper I've ever seen in my life. I don't even know why he exists as a goalkeeper because he's terrible. Um, but Reuter was no better and Jason Seal was a complete joke as well. So he looks he looks so much better than, than, than those. But I suppose if you're watching it and taking away last season, he has looked a little bit suspect on crosses. Is, was he like that in your experience or is he a, a solid number one goalkeeper for a, a League One promotion push, which obviously he'd done with Burn? I'd certainly say, yeah, he, you know, he is that without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> when I think back to, to to watching McLaughlin, there's no two ways about it. He's a a brilliant sort of shot stopper. Um, if you get time, go watch. I think it was the highlight. I think Swindon, Swindon Town, Burton beat Swindon at home, December 2015. If you can dig the highlights out, he makes well two incredible saves in that game. But the second of them, you know, the the, the ball's played across the face of goal and, and, and the striker goes to knock it in from all of about three yards and McLaughlin just defies physics almost to manage to get back and flick it up um, over the bar. It's one of the best saves I've ever seen. Um, so, it, you know, he was a brilliant shot stopper for Burton. I do think there was some debate about his, the way he commanded his box from from crosses and stuff like that. That probably potentially was an area um, where he was seen as, as slightly as a weaker side of his game. So potentially that's something, as you say, in the first weeks at Sunderland that's that's bearing a bit of fruit as well. 
Um, but in terms of a, of a League One promotion push, you know, he, he was a crucial, crucial cog in that. You know, he kept 22 clean sheets the year Burton went up. OK, a lot of that was, was also down to a really solid defence, but he certainly played his part. And, and he was part of the team that stayed up in the in the championship as well. Um, so uh, one thing's for certain, you know, he, he will get a, a great reception back at the Pirelli this weekend. But I'm sure, as you say, Burton will have will have tried to work out those potential weaknesses. They'll know him very well, and if if it is that okay, we'll, we'll try and pepper the ball with uh, pepper the the box with crosses and free kicks and whatever, and, and just try and test that out. Then they'll probably be up for doing that. And I mentioned before about Liam Boyce. I've also mentioned, you know, if there's any particular players you fear from us. Um, I kind of feel like I know you may be saying Liam Boyce and he's the obvious answer. But aside from Liam Boyce, who should Sunderland be worried about? Where do you see your match winners and why? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't look past Boyce, but but there are certainly others. Um, you've mentioned a bit David Templeton, obviously come down from, from Scotland, one of those signings. I mean, that's another bit of a, a clough trademark to go back to one of your previous questions. You know, that it's a market that he has exploited a lot as a manager, you know, looking up in, <clears throat> in Scotland for, for p- potential sort of hidden gems or, or good value players. And it's, it's borne a lot of fruit and, and David Templeton looks like he could be another one of those. Um, he was one of those problems in pre-season. He got an injury and didn't feature much in pre-season. So the first few weeks of the season, he was lacking in fitness and was a bit part player. But the last few weeks he's looked, um, he's looked brilliant out on the left wing, cutting in and, and, and beating his man and having shots at goal. He scored a couple of good goals and, um, you know, he looks more lively uh, on that left wing with every game. So he's got a bit of an ankle problem from the weekend. So he's not a definite starter. Um, but if he does, he's certainly someone who, who, you know, he'll be, he'll be one for Sunderland to, to watch, I think. And, and he's also forming more of an understanding. It looks with, with Boyce up front and then Scott Fraser in midfield, who also came down from, from Scotland, from Dundee United in the summer. So, they look to be to be having a little bit of an understanding, um, and then as I say, you know, I've, I've sort of picked out Stephen Quinn as well as, as a pretty crucial performer there in the holding midfield role. Um, I think uh, will play a big part. One sort of a a little bit more from left field to look out for whether he'll start or not. I don't know. Um, I think he actually might have made his first um, Burton League start against Sunderland in the home game last season. Um, his name's Joe Sabara. He's a a nineteen year old academy graduate, um, quite a diminutive sort of playmaker either play sort of in a bit of a number 10 role or out wide. Um, got an injury in the, in the win over uh, Doncaster when he was the best player on the pitch at the time. Um, don't know if he'll start because he's not started the last few because of that injury, but um, but he's you know one that Burton fans are really, really excited about. Um, and whenever he gets on the ball, you, you're expecting something to happen. He's fleet, you know, quick-footed, he beats his man. Um, so if he does either come off the bench or, or start, I think he, he's another one for Sunderland fans to, to possibly look out for. You mentioned about Templeton as well. My my whole sort of um, Scottish side of the family is all Rangers. So and and I I moved up just as they got. I was going to say relegated, but it was basically just avoiding tax, wasn't it? Effectively, um, they didn't actually get relegated. But Templeton obviously was one of their biggest signings that summer. And our big big problem for for me, and I think most people agree, is our, our right back situation. Matthews has been off colour. Donald Love, uh, lovable but not very good in in my opinion. Um, and Templeton, obviously on the left hand side, you mentioned before he scored a couple of good goals. He can really score a scream, and he does. He really does cut in, and he has got pace about him. And he's still quite young. He's still only what twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah, twenty nine, I think. But but yeah, you know, still still in a you know peak of his career, really. Yeah, it's his prime, isn't it? And I think yeah. um, I, I feel like because of where I live and because of my family. I know a little bit more about David Templeton, but for the Sunderland fans who don't, I echo, unfortunately, everything that you say, and that does, that does worry me a little bit because our right back is, it's it's not the, 
it's not the strongest of positions, although we do have yeah. like three of them. But we actually think Tom Flanagan might play it right back. Yeah, I was just I was literally just about to to say that to say is you know is, is Flanagan the potential starter there on Saturday because you know that is where um, well it, it, I spoke about his versatility he played across the back line for Burton, but. Um, that's where he played a you know a hell of a lot for for Burton last last season a, a bit as well. He played at left back, so he's he certainly played in those full back roles. But um, I think that would be an interesting battle to be honest. Templeton and Flanagan, you know, obviously uh, I've not seen as much of the other Sunderland fullbacks, but Flanagan I've seen a lot of, and and he, he relishes a bit of a, a battle. I remember in that first Championship season uh, when he was playing at left back in the second half of the season, you know, he was coming up against some of the top wide players or wide forwards in the league. You know, Tom Ince he had a good battle with him. Um, I think it was Helder Costa for, for Wolves and, and a few others. Um, and, you know, he came out on top most times. So I'm sure he'd relish the chance, certainly coming back to Burton as well, to, to try and have a bit of a you know virtuoso performance at right back. And, and equally, you know, Templeton, I, I think, would, would would quite relish the chance of coming up against him. But he's, you know, Flanagan's a physical presence as well. He's good in the air um, and pretty pacey as well. I think he'd have the pace to, to try and deal with Templeton. So, um, yeah, as you say, that, that could be a, an interesting battle, actually. I've been quietly impressed by Thanik and he's only, I think it was like his only his first league star. I think I could be wrong with that um, last week and he came on at right back, but he played most of pre-season at centre-half and then got injured. And then obviously we've been playing Leuven's and uh, Baldwin. Baldwin's been great. Yeah. Leuven's has been all right. Ozturk's been something different. Um, but I was very impressed by how composed he is. And yeah, I, I would be a lot more confident if he's playing at right back. Um, than it will be if Donald loves playing, for example. Um, and Matthews, again, a, a player like, I don't mind, but he, he's been off form. So, yeah, as much as Liam Boyce is the, kind of the obvious name, I, I do definitely feel like Templeton, in my experience, and, and you haven't made me feel any better about it, is the danger man for us <laughs> on Saturday based on our own weaknesses. But um, I'm not sure how Saturday is going to go, if I'm honest. I, I want to win because I don't want to go into a cycle of draws. But I do think a draw is probable. I'm going to go for 1-1, but just to end, what's your prediction and why? You've stolen mine, to be honest. Uh, That'll do. 1-0 <laughs> one, one, one one was, 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 uh, was going to be mine. I think I emailed a prediction over to, to Rory, is it, with you guys? Um, yeah. And uh, I emailed that one over earlier because that is... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think, as you say, Sunderland have already proven that, that grittiness. I read an interview with John McLaughlin the week he talked about you know they they want to show that they can take the lead and take games away from teams, but also they've shown a grit and a resilience to come back, and um, you know that's not going to disappear. So Burton have got to deal with that, but um, but also I think this is a a game that Burton will be really up for. Um, they've got a bit of a buzz back, as I said at the Pirelli. Um, they, they look creative. They look like they're going to score goals in games. You know, there's not yet been a game this season, perhaps barring Oxford away, where they you know they, they struggled to create too much. Um, so I can certainly see them scoring, but as, as you say, you know, Sunderland have, have found ways back into games. Um, whether it's going to be Burton who take the lead and then Sunderland who hit back, or Sunderland who take the lead and then Burton reply, I don't know. But um, I tend to agree with you, and I don't, I don't know if a draw would be a bad result for for Burton either. Um, yes, okay, they they submitted a lead against Acton the other day, and so they did quite like to bounce back with a win from from drawing that. But equally, they know the quality that that Sunderland have got. And Clough, one of Clough's mottos is, you know, if you if you can't win the game, then don't lose it. It goes on about that all the time. You know, if you can't get the three points, make sure you get something from the game. And I think, you know, this weekend would be one where if it's going to be a tough one, then a share of the spores might not be a, might not be a bad result. 
No, I, I would take a draw, and it sounds defeatist, but I, I would I would take a draw to you. Other, other way around, maybe I'd, I'd want three points, but I think when your home games get as many draws well, yeah, or wins yeah. away from home, then you should be aiming for promotion, hopefully. So um, you've got to hope, but it's it's the hope that kills us, isn't it? So the hope I can't, we can't stand is the actual the actual turn of phrase, I just believe, but you know, I'll, I'll, you know where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um, but thanks for coming on, Josh. I hope you have a horrible Saturday. Um, as I always say, <laughs> um, but good luck for the season. Obviously, I think um, you know, touching on Nigel Clough before, he's a he's a Sunderland-born boy, and anyone who's uh, you know, related to to Brian, I obviously always want to see do well. As long as it's not at our expense as it was last year, um, but enjoy the game, and I'm, I'm sure we'll catch up with you again when you're back at the stadium. Like, hopefully, we'll be at the top of the league by that point, and 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 uh, well clear of everyone below us, but. I don't know if that's going to happen based on the first seven games of the season. But um, thanks for coming on, mate. Appreciate it. No worries. Great. All the best. All the best. Bye-bye. Cheers. So that's the end of the Burton Albion episode, um, which I'm sure I did plan to do last year, but I think relegation just got the better of me, to be honest, um, if you want the God's honest truth. But I've enjoyed doing it this, uh, this season so far. It's been different teams I can speak about, different things we can uh, discuss. But Burton, I think I feel like I knew a little bit more about because of last season. And I do think it'll be a really tough game on Saturday. Um, I'm a little bit concerned by the past few games. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. But like that's because I want us to come into this league and, and whitewash it. And it's not realistic. We're still unbeaten. We're still showing a great determination, which compared to last season, if we went 1-0 down last season, you were waiting for when the second, third and fourth was going in. This season, that, that's very much not the case. It's very much like how fast can we pull it back and, and can we get a win out of it but we need to stop conceding first I think I'm, I'm stating the obvious but we need to stop conceding first because it's given us an uphill task I think a win at Burton would get us back on track and alleviate some of those worries but it is going to be a tough game and like I say I would take a point um, but join in what I think Connor's doing next week actually with um, a Rochdale fan because he's one of his mates is a Rochdale fan so he's nicked it off me and um Although last week I was officially named the 82nd coolest person in Scotland, which is an actual fact that's in, in the Herald. I don't know why. Um, read it up yourself. Connor is still actually a little bit more popular than me because friends with the guys upstairs and all that. You know what I mean? Um, but I hope you enjoyed this week. Everyone give me really good feedback from last week. And I really, really, really enjoyed the fact that um, Rosie just spoke forever and I just shut my mouth. So I've tried to do that again. Sorry if I wrote my mouth too much this week. And not let you know too much about Burton, but, you know, I feel like I know a lot more than I maybe did um, sort of an hour ago about Burton. Um, and I'm still just as underconfident about getting a result as I was beforehand as well. Um, but, yeah, join me back for whoever we play after Rochdale. I don't remember that. I have a feeling it's Coventry, um, which I'm sure will be interesting because I'm a Sunderland fan, so I definitely don't like Coventry. Um, so that could be an interesting conversation. But I'll leave you with Connor next week. He's got his Rochdale mate on. Um, and I, I hope he's not as good as me. And you, you're kind of clamouring for me back. I'm sure that won't be the case, though. Cheers. Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.